Hey everybody, it's Elizabeth. I just wanted to let you know that Abigail and I recorded this episode in my backyard while she was visiting New Orleans. Um, it was too beautiful to sit inside, but that means that um, you get to hear my neighbor's dog barking for the first five minutes or so during the episode. You will hear an occasional yip, but eventually he goes inside and you won't hear him anymore. So be patient and it will all get better. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I am drinks historian Elizabeth Pierce. And I'm bartender Abigail Gallo. And we are sitting in my backyard recording. You might occasionally hear the yip of a neighbor's dog. So it's just like I'm home in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, what do we figure out? The uh, the air compressor for my, my neighbor's uh, Yeah. Uh, Air, air, and what's what are those called? Compressors? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an air conditioning unit. Unit, units. Yeah. yeah. So that might kick on every now and then. Yes, but it, here it is, November in New Orleans. And you don't really need air conditioning right now. It is bloody perfect. It is. Um, we are both wearing sundresses sitting outside, but it's supposed to get cold in a little bit. Oh, we're doing that thing where we talk about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> we keep. As was observed by Lee, we always start. Okay, so no more. Well, because I guess either way, easy. You're either complaining or you're gloating. Yeah. Because right now, I think we would be we're gloating. We're definitely gloating. Yeah. If my friend Cat is listening to this in Montreal, ha ha ha. ha, ha. It's I have nice bare to be skin home. in yeah. uh, uh, outside. So today, continuing with our. Uh, talking about categories we have a uh, a very important category kind of how we almost for, forgot vodka and I, th I this wasn't in our original list um when we were doing because it's not a spirit exactly we, originally we were just going to do spirits but mm -hmm. uh, um including this one this is important because for cocktails and that's bitters 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 and amari yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Amari is the plural of Amaro. And uh, it's not Amaros, which I guess would be the plural in English. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Italy, you stick an I because it's masculine. So A-M-A-R-I, -A -A Amari, which are also bittered and come out of this uh, medicinal, botanical history. So they're they're all sort of coming out of this place and have, um, well, they're both bitter. Amato means bitter. They're both Italian. bitter. They're both in, in, they're both very different as far as, um, how they're used for cocktails yes. and, uh, but they have a, a shared history in that they were originally developed as medicinal mm -hmm. and they were created to specifically attack various uh, maladies. Yes. Cholera, apparently. Mm -hmm. is, uh, I mean, I don't know how effective mm -hmm. uh, any bitters or Amaro that I can think of would be against cholera, mm -hmm. except perhaps just making you intoxicated and not really notice. <laughs> <laughs> that cholera is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, a question that I get asked a lot, and it, it was, I think is a good place to start, is, well, it's two questions, really. It's like, what is bitters, mm -hmm. and why are they called that? And uh, the simple answer I give, but you might want to elaborate is you have well, what began with alcohol in which anything that a pharmacist thought might do you good, some botanical herbal spice thing, would be macerated or um, 
would sit in the alcohol uh, and, and all so that all of its goodness could infuse, uh, be in, infused into the alcohol, and then it would be strained off. And then you have this tincture. A concentrated tincture. Yes. Yeah. And of the many botanicals that were believed to be beneficial... Uh, one in particular was gentian, mm-hmm. which has a v- very, very bitter flavor. Mm-hmm. And and actually, if you kind of think about it, a lot of plants that we would think of as being beneficial, you wouldn't, if you just had them on their own, like they're super, super concentrated flavors. Mm-hmm. So like even if you chew on mint, like like a mint leaf, while that might not necessarily be bitter in the way that we think of, it is, it's not necessarily something you want to do, mm-hmm. like just eat mint because mm-hmm. it's so powerful. Um, so it start, they start out medicinally and, um, which makes sense because alcohol starts out medicinally. Yes. Yeah. The two kind of go hand in hand. It, the bitters, I always say to a bartender, bitters are like spices to a chef. They definitely add concentrated little bursts of flavor. And and I'm talking about the bitters that you use by the dash, mm-hmm. not to be confused. And this was a very confusing topic for me when I first started being interested mm-hmm. in bitters and cocktails. And um, you, when I first started, of course, you couldn't really get any bitters except for Angostura. And maybe Peychaud's if I was visiting New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But that was about it. So could you not get Peychaud's in New York? No. Really? No, yeah. I would go, When I would come to New Orleans for a visit, I would come back with a bottle of Herb Saint, a bottle of rye, and a bottle of Peychaud's. Because those were the three things that I, it was difficult to find in New York oh. at the time, in the 90s. You know, So we're talking 90s here, early 2000s. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember hearing rumors that um, Europeans had a lot of bitters. Mm-hmm. So one of my first trips when I was 25 to Ireland, I'm in the duty-free, mm-hmm. and I asked for bitters. And they they kind of looked at me like, we don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, it's like a little bottle, and it's like really concentrated. And they go, oh, we have this. And they slid these little bottles across the uh, across the table in a little box, mm-hmm. and it was Underberg bitters. I was going to ask if that yeah. was that. So and expl- explain, actually, explain Underberg then, and also what it's become. So Underberg is now uh, Underberg would be more like in that Amari category. Underberg was a bitter liqueur that you take in a small amount, like a shot. After Abigail is shooting, Abigail I'm shooting. Is, it has a um, <laughs> Im- imaginary shot glass in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> and is shooting it. Yeah. And you, you, and it's part of the European tradition of having um, Amari after a meal as a digestif to help um, burn a hole in your stomach, to make room for more or to settle your stomach after eating. And, um, and it was really confusing to me because Underberg, being uh, German and in these tiny little bottles, I thought it was like cocktail bittering. Mm-hmm. So I brought it home and I started using it like in old fashions in Manhattan's uh-huh. like by the drop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to drink the whole bottle at once. Well, but that would be, I bet it tasted good. Or... No, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. I was very excited to at least have something different to play with. But, you know, these are the early days when you didn't, you know, people don't know if you are just getting into drinks now, you don't know what it was like just two decades ago it was very difficult to find a lot of these things we didn't have Aperol yet I mean think of how ubiquitous Aperol spritzes are everywhere right, now yeah and we didn't 15 years ago we didn't have Aperol well you barely had rye we barely had rye rye American rye was an endangered uh, product it was on the arc for endangered American products nobody was making rye anymore so there it was a very very different time and I did look to Europe because um, Europe apparently had still had all these things. But what they had, and what I misunderstood, is they had a lot of digestives. Well, the first time that I ever had, I, you know, I think I had heard that term, digestive, before I went to Italy. Um, but the first time that I had anything in that category. And so we should say Abigail used the the term bittered liqueur. And so the bitters that are cocktail bitters are in the tiny little bottle and there's no sugar 
no sugar. in them. And the bitter liqueur is in a giant bottle, and you drink it by the glass, and it definitely has sugar. Um, the proof varies proof widely, varies. Yeah. Um, but they're meant to be sipped, not used as a dash. Yeah. And one of them... Um, also, uh, so something I learned, which in my mind is an Amaro or is a, uh, but in fact is its own category, is Fernet. Mm-hmm. And um, I had Fernet Branca. And just so you know, so Branca is the um, is the name of the company. The company. And it was a Count, it, it Count was, Branca. Uh, and, and it was, right. uh, then it became the brothers. So the Fratelli, Branca Fratelli. I looked this up the other day because Lee was like, I think Fernet is its own category. And I said, I think it's an Amaro. I was wrong. It is its own category. But it's like, you know, I mean, geez, whatever. So yeah. anyway, so I had that. And if you've never had Fernet Branca, as which the bartender just say Fernet, and they assume that that's the one you're talking about. Although in Italy, there's lots of them. Oh, yeah. There's lots of them now, yeah. too. We have a locally made one in Seattle that I love that's made from apples. Why didn't you bring it? Oh, uh, selfish. <laughs> no, bad. no, it's because you just want me to go to Seattle and then I, I have do. to taste it there. You'll have um, to come. I'll take you to the distillery. It's on an island. Oh, which island? Bainbridge. Oh, I bet that's that's a pretty ferry ride. Yeah. So, um, sorry, for the, 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 we are apparently also sponsored by Seattle Tourism. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, think about if you, first of all, if you never had Fernet Branca, press stop. <laughs> And go to your local bar uh, or go somewhere, taste it, um, and then come back and press play. Okay, welcome back for those of you. How are you feeling? Are you okay? Like, it's crazy. And I was coming from, I mean, yeah, you know, my mother drank whiskey. I grew up sipping old fashioned. So I, and and I was, had been at LSU where I drank, you know, a lot of utterly appalling, Liquor, like drink a lot of amaretta sours. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. So, like my first taste for that was like, what the hell is this? What is it for? Why would anyone want to just drink this? And you know, now it's and oh, but then it became. If it was like the cool kids drink among oh, yeah. the bartenders. The, it was became the bartender's handshake. If you walked into a bar and said, oh, I'm a bartender, they kind of slid a shot of Frenette uh, mm. across. There is even this, I saw on TV, them do a Frenette ski, which is you attach shot glasses to a ski and you fill it up with Frenette and then you everyone tips it back and drinks it all at once because it's on like a giant ski. So to me, that is not a hospitable offering. No, you know, no. if somebody came into my house, like my friend, I was like, oh, here, have some Frenette. That's not, we- that is not welcome. It's, I think it was just became like a badge of honor. Like, look yeah. what I love to do. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's, it's like the frat boy shooting Jägermeister. Well, Another bitter liqueur. An- yes. I was just going to say, I was like, oh, you were of the prime, uh, New Orleans was the target yeah. for or Jägermeister Actually, as was, a shot. It was LSU. It was LSU. It was LSU. Wow. And they yes. said it was like made from deer's blood. They had all these rumors <laughs> to get people yes. to do shots of this stuff. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm sure you guys are, you know, you guys are well aware of like Jägermeister and its it rise was, to fame. It is an Amaro. Yes. It, it was my, um, I was at LSU in the 90s. And that's when it was emerging mm-hmm. as this thing, which I thought was appalling. Yeah. And then, and I, I'm, I don't remember thinking this, but it would have made sense if I had drunk the Fernet and been like, this is you like Jägermeister. Yeah. Why does anybody want this? <laughs> but now um, I can appreciate the, you know, variety mm-hmm. of, um, and there's so many. Um, oh, there's so many. I, uh, so, I mean, okay. just, just in Sicily. Like I was, I went to the Averna Distillery mm-hmm. in Caltanissetta in Sicily, and I was so excited to be there. And then I was so excited, like the whole time I was in Sicily, I was like, "I'm going to visit Averna." And they're like, "That's nice. We drink Mount Edna here. <laughs> 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 we have all these other uh, Amaros. Yes, we like. so many. There's so many. They're very regional. That's what I kind of love about Amaros. Uh, no matter where they're made, they're kind of made from." the regional vegetables and herbs that you would mm-hmm. find in that area. Yeah. One of my favorites being uh, Braulio, mm-hmm. which is from uh, a region in northern Italy that is right near a national park. And they use a lot of the, the wildflowers from the national park in the Samaro. And I think that sense of place mm-hmm. when you're drinking it is is really romantic and wonderful. Yeah, it's like ter- it's the ter- terroir. Terroir. 
Like um, literally, there's yeah. earth in there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we've mostly this, now, over the last, I guess, 10 minutes, have by accident mostly been talking about Amaro, Amadi, yeah. which, um, as you know, as I said earlier, meant to be consumed um, by the glass. And we're not talking about by the tumbler. You know, no. this is having a little, it's usually a little a, a cordial kind of glass. A cordial glass after dinner or on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are also what is, um, they're traditionally not used in cocktails, although that has changed in the last I 10 was, years. That was my next, uh, yeah. Then that was the next question or yeah. like, where's the path going? Well, Audrey Saunders created a, um, a little Italy, a Manhattan variation that used Chinar and, um, uh, and, and everything started to change. Um, but it's got historical context context too. Mm-hmm. Ada Coleman, who ran the Savoy cocktail bar mm-hmm. in the 20s and 30s. Who invented the hanky-panky. Invented the hanky-panky, and that has Frenette Branca in it. That's right. That's yeah. right. So she started it all. She a did. lady. A lady. Um, we love Miss Ada. I was, uh, the reason I was going to ask about using it in cocktails is because um, there's a really great, well, I call it a liquor store. It is, in fact, a grocery store in my hometown, um, Aquistapes. Aquista Pace. They don't say it like that. They say Aquista Pace. And uh, Lee and I always go, when we visit my parents, we always go check out the liquor. Um, because usually there's something there that we either haven't seen in New Orleans or it's, or it's cheaper over there. Mm. And I picked up two new Amaros and, you know, kind of asked the internet so I'd have a sense of what they were like. And one is super floral mm. compared to the other. And there, it's like Don Filio. Of course, now I'm like... Oh, yeah. the, the one from Washington, D.C. Is is it? Don Filio. Don Filio. Okay. So there's... But there's two of... Um, there's two varieties. Yeah. And one is floral and one is not. But they were both really dry. Yeah. And by dry, I mean bitter, like yeah. not sweet. Whereas the uh, Amaros that I... And I haven't had a ton of Amaros, but... Look, I said Amaros. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Italy. Um, have they've tended to be Averna is a favorite. A v e r n a. Beautiful. That's One a of my very. Favorites. That's a really nice starter Amaro. Yeah. I yeah. think it's and, got uh, notes of chocolate and bitter orange and espresso and yeah, it does have a nice sweetness to it. And I learned about Averna from Abigail when she created a signature cocktail when Lee and I got married. And that was my cocktail. Lee had a punch, and I had the drink that punched you in the face <laughs> because it was all liquor. There was no mixer in there nope. at all. It was it was liquor, liquor, uh, amaro bitters, <laughs> and you'll like it. Um, so a Verna, so I had that and Montenegro and like all Montenegro's nice and light and floral yeah. and that's and used in some cocktails and sweet ish. Mm-hmm. Well, well, relatively speaking, relatively. And I don't think I had had an Amaro this dry, and I was like, oh, I don't actually want to drink this as is. And so there's a part of me that thought, well, I could add a little simple syrup in it <laughs> and then make it sweet. But instead, I took it to Bud Rips. And I said, I said, why don't you use this in like an old fashioned and like, let's see what happens instead of, instead of bitters. And I also was thinking that in a Manhattan, it would be interesting, Mm -hmm. but it would need, it would still need simple because it would, it couldn't take the place of sweet vermouth, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, if you are playing around, if you have a bottle of, of a, a Amaro kicking around and you don't know what to do with it and you're not drinking <clears throat> it um, enough, like mm-hmm. after a meal, which I recommend maybe you start, uh, I think the best use of Amaro is in Manhattan variations. Mixing it with some sweet vermouth, mixing it with some rye or bourbon uh, will do wonders. And, you know, every time, you know, you take a, a, a great basic classic cocktail like that and you do a twist on it it's uh you can't go wrong i think and even though amaro amati whatever they can be fairly low proof i mean compared to um straight spirit. to straight spirit um but like madeira and, and like they're they're they can't break right yeah. like you you don't have to worry about unlike vermouth which needs to be refrigerated yes you can just keep your amato out yeah 
So don't feel that once you've opened the bottle, you have to hurry up and finish it. No, take your time. (laughs) It might only improve with age. Yeah. And the other (laughs) thing that's good, too, is generally they aren't very expensive. Like, I feel like a Verna's in the, it's like 28. Is Mm -hmm. that right? Is it more? I think it's probably around there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what. It's not, it's not a huge investment. and, And I also like, I think the bottles are beautiful i've been known to just buy bottles of amari based on like the pretty lady holding a basket of flowers on the cover (laughs) (laughs) i'm talking to you amaro chicharo you're so beautiful so that's amari which are bittered but they are bittered liqueurs and they're meant to be drunk well everything's meant to be drunk Drunk by the glass glass. Mm -hmm. so then cocktail bitters which might be the thing that when we say bitters, comes to most people's minds. But actually, truthfully, Abigail, well, I guess if you're listening to this podcast and you already know, you, you already know a little bit. Bitters. In fact, but, cocktail but there bitters are, pe- are in the description. It's not a cocktail unless it has bitters in it. Right. Um, but there are people who come on my tour and have never heard of bitters. Yeah. So I think I. It's funny when you live in a world. You know, you live or you work in a world, and you just assume everybody knows. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, nope. And that is going to, we, I, I, I can't remember if I told the story in the old fashioned story. Oh. Uh, that, about Steve Yamada. I think you should tell it again. But even totally if I haven't, okay. Time. So it is not only the um, newbie uh, drinker who might not know about bitters, but you can be the newbie. A bartender mm-hmm. and our friend Steve Yamada was working at Bubba Gump's and he got that job like he started working for a caterer I'm pretty sure he was underage and was barred like learned from some old guy how to make gin and tonic whiskey soda you know like highballs basically if you're working a wedding that's what you're making um, but he parlayed that bartending experience into getting hired by Bubba Gump's and said, yes, I'm a bartender. Look at all these, look at all this bartending I did. And again, this is the 90s when, um, late 90s, early 2000s, when certainly Bubba Gumps wasn't trying to create a cocktail program the way that like even Chili's and Applebee's, mm-hmm. you know, is now. Yeah. Uh, so he's working behind the counter or behind the, he's, he's working behind the bar and the ticket comes through and it's for an old fashioned. And he turns to the guy uh, who, his, his boss or whatever, and he's like, I don't know what an old fashioned is. And the boss says, there's a, bo- there's a bottle behind the bar. It's wrapped in paper. And t- take, a few, take that bottle, put a few dashes of it in the bottom of the glass, and then mush a cherry and an orange, and then add whiskey and simple. And Steve's like, got it. And he made three or four old fashions, presumably for the same customer, I guess. And only at the end of his shift did he discover that he was not using the appropriate bottle. He was using Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) A bottle also wrapped in paper. (laughs) And which has a certain umami quality that I guess bitters... Uh, can bring but um, you know no complaints from the from the guest <laughs> and and now I think that would be a very like modern you know ex- in, uh, like inventive Ooh. or something cutting edge old-fashioned <laughs> with your where's just your soy sauce oh my gosh or whatever. I, I, do, I don't recommend it bitters um, yes that bottle wrapped in paper that Angostura bitters <clears throat> is is our like one hold out and the reason why bitters completely disappears goes back to the idea of bitters being used as medicine and not being regulated and to be honest a lot of snake oil salesmen taking advantage of that and saying that it could cure everything and everything yes and not actual snake oil um I mean, perhaps some of them had snake oil. But Mm -hmm. if you don't know that expression, Mm -hmm. it just means a liar Mm -hmm. who is selling a patented medicine that is meant to cure a variety of maladies. If you go and and Google 
old ads, you'll find a plethora of bitters makers that were in the 19th century hawking their wares, saying that it would cure everything from baldness to female problems. Mm-hmm. Female I don't complaints. know what female problems it is. But well, I mean, I have some complaints, but I don't think that bitters... <laughs> I don't think bitters are going to cure it. I mean, but perhaps a cocktail would mitigate the effect of my, my complaints. My, my, I'd have to... Is there anything that will... Uh, fix the patriarchy. Yeah, that's what I want. Um, is my is my bitters going to vote <laughs> the way I want it? To. The way I want it to. Uh, the, so um, the other thing, not only were these uh, bitters making you know these various assertions, but they also contained lots of substances which could make you feel better, like cocaine mm-hmm. or lithium or laudanum and opium. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those were over the counter. Uh, totally over the counter and meant not only for adults but also babies yeah. so the baby won't cry if you give that baby some laudanum yeah well that's true <laughs> but not a lie <laughs> not not a lie uh so there's a thing called there two things that happen there's the there's a harrison act of 1914 if you want to look it up and uh the food and drug act well, that's the, the big food, one in, yeah, in 1906 and, and that's the one that says you have to list what's in it. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, once people started reading labels, they yes. were like, oh, that doesn't, that either looks like a bad idea or that doesn't look like that's going to make this cholera go away at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Angostura being um, located in Trinidad and mm-hmm. Tobago at the time was... Um, <clears throat> Uh, was exempt from this because it was not in the United States. So right. while many United States productions were shut down, that one stayed, and and luckily um, and we still had it. So we were still, throughout the 20th century, still able to make old fashions and Manhattans, even if we did only have one style of bitters. And the other thing that saved uh, Angostura, of course, is um, even though they're, they lose a lot of market share, or not market share, they lose, they lose their market, is prohibition. Because bitters, bitters were, some bitters were still allowed to be consumed or to be manufactured because they they could still be considered medicinal. Because mm-hmm. some some really did start out that way. Yeah. And frankly, um, I have a very specific memory of not feeling very well in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did not know the word for bitters for this category, right? But I'm explaining to a waiter, um, you know, like my tummy was not good and you have something bitters. And he brought me Fernet Branca. So ah. like the, it's the universal language. <laughs> uh, and it did. It's, it, it settled my stomach a little bit. And um, some of these uh, bitters, these patented medicines, did have that beneficial sort of di- digestive effect. Um, but... Not only was were there no bartenders buying them, um, but if you think about prohibition, like we when we imagine speakeasies, and this is a thing that really annoys me about the whole speakeasy bar, yeah. the recreation of the speakeasy bar. Besides the fact that drinking is legal and federal agents are not coming to raid this venue, <laughs> and that's what made speakeasies really awesome or cool or whatever. But we. Imagine this kind of great Gatsby-esque, uh, play, you know, like chandeliers and jazz bands and, you know, and all that. But frankly, most speakeasies were like a setup in a back room, in a basement. It was not a bad ambiance. No. <laughs> it was like you came here to do something illegal. And if you think about doing illegal things today, like drugs... Um, they are not going to be in a palace of, you know, <laughs> opulence. <laughs> opulence. Like, think about where you might go shoot heroin if you were going to do that, which you shouldn't. Heroin's a terrible idea. Nobody should go shoot. Very bad idea. Very but, bad but, idea. Like, if you if you frame it that way, then the environment is not gorgeous, mm. and the liquor is not beautiful and so it doesn't need to be enhanced with bitters it mm. needs to be masked with a mixer or juice mm-hmm. and if you are the kind of bartender who was making these beautiful cocktails is 
you don't need that guy. And it's always a guy uh, at this time anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't need that guy anymore. Yeah. You just need, you know, Joey, the bootlegger, who brings his hooch and can, you know. And then you water add, it down. And then add some, <laughs> you know, orange juice or whatever. And so lots of forces conspire. And so that's why all the bitters went away. Yeah. The bitters, the bitters did go away for a very, very long time. There was um, one company in Rochester that started bringing them back as a more, uh, not as alcohol-based, but as like more <clears throat> glycerin-based for flavors, and that was Fee Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started bringing back like an aromatic bitters and then added flavors. Um, the first flavor that... I kind of saw popping up was orange bitters mm-hmm. because orange bitters were essential for a lot of classic cocktail recipes like um, a Martinez and a, and a martini. So uh, orange bitters was the first thing I started to see to come being back made, to come mm-hmm. back. And um, there was also like a big wave because no one was making one that people started making their own. And I do want to say this as a caveat on here. Like people ask me all the time, oh, you're a fancy mixologist. Do you make your own bitters? No. I did. I did once. I made bitters that I called Love Potion Number 9, and it was all, because I also used to be into all witchy stuff, mm-hmm. so I used all aphrodisiac herbs together, and I made, like, a tincture, mm-hmm. and then I blended them all together. Yeah. And so I had, like, my own bitters that I used. I was not a working bartender. I never sold those bitters. And I put this caveat on because some of the ingredients that you can use in bitters is actually very, very dangerous. Yes. And um, you can make people sick uh, and can actually cause grave harm. So please, please, please do be careful. Even if you're reading something on the Internet, that doesn't mean that it's safe. Um, and thankfully, I like it's definitely not an issue now because... As you know, there is a bitters explosion. Mm-hmm. There are so many different kinds of bitters, every possible flavor. And again, what I love about it, just like Amari, they're very localized. Mm-hmm. The, every kind of region has their own like local bitters producers, and they use the local herbs. Um, and um, and I think that's that's kind of cool. And I leave it up to the professionals. Yeah. So uh, Eater actually had so there's a, a website called Eater, and um, it covers food the food and drink industry nationally and then there's also local um like pages or you know there's either new orleans either seattle and that reports on local food and drink news but either had an article uh in the last month and it said this was like the the title which made me roll my eyes and i did not then i like forgot about it because i was gonna angry tweet (laughs) and it the title was if you're making if you're making cocktails, you should be making your own bitters. Absolutely not. And I thought, Absolutely no, not. first of all, no. it's a whole lot of work. It's, it is a lot of work. And second... And they don't always come out great. They taste terrible sometimes. So um, El Guapo, which is a local bitters company here in New Orleans, um, did a bitters workshop. And we could mix our own. Mm-hmm. So, like, they brought... Um, some elements, you know, whatever you, it, mine, it was terrible. I made my own <laughs> and I thought, because you have to get the proportions exactly right. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then right. not even getting into the part, the part that can make people sick. But I was like, Eater, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, that's highly irresponsible and kind of, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Make, make, and your, that's, make your bread, make a cake. <laughs> make a bread, make your own bread, make a cake. There's lots of things you can make. Do not make your own bitters. Yeah. You could, uh, you can infuse, infuse vodka mm-hmm. with like fruit. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do that. Do the herbs. You, yeah. The herbs. Vodka, you want to do yeah, an infusion. you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's no fine. You and really, yeah, it's not necessary, guys. There's so, so, so many different kinds of bitters. So I recommend if you travel and you go to liquor stores and you see an inter- interesting bottle of bitters, <clears throat> definitely pick it up. Rhubarb has always been a flavor, favorite flavoring agent of mine that I like mm. picking out because um, uh, it brings brightness and freshness mm-hmm. um, to a cocktail. Um, uh, what else have I seen? You should make a drink with rhubarb bitters and don't tell Lee because he hates rhubarb. And <laughs> see if he, see if he notices. Likes it. Yeah. Oh, that but he'll now he'll be but on yes. guard because he listens to all these episodes. <laughs> uh. Lee, I won't sneak in rhubarb. So does he not like like rhubarb? There's there's a whole bunch of uh, rhubarb is actually a bittering agent that's used in a lot of amari as well. Mm. Uh, and there's a whole category called rhubarb. Rube- 
Rubarbero. Oh. And um, I wonder if it's in that Donna Donphelia. I am sure. Rub, you you'll find it's, rhubarb in uh, as an ingredient listed in most amari. It's, okay. it's very popular. They, and, especially you know, it grows the like crazy. One. Yes. Well, when he was in Saint, he went to school in Saint. He went to university in Saint Louis, and it used to show up. They had that pie. That and he had never here in Louisiana. Just so you know, rhubarb does not grow in Louisiana. We almost never see it in the grocery store, yeah. hardly. Yeah. And so he had never had it. I think he thought it was apple pie oh. or strawberry. And well, it's, I guess it's, it's strawberry, it's strawberry rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb usually. But yeah. uh, anyway, Those he go was great together. he was deceived, and he was like, "What is this terrible tart, you know, thing?" Yeah, Ew. it is. It's super tart and yeah. has no bitter notes. And that's again, these this is the flavor profile we're talking about, and. Um, uh, if if you pay attention to like how um, we build on food, I, I love that uh, uh, that book, Acid, uh, Salt, Fat, Heat. Mm-hmm. The um, Salmonose Rot book, yeah. The element uh-huh. of, of cooking. That's exactly how we use to build uh, cocktails. Salt, fat, acid, heat salt. is if you're if you if you're looking for it. Salt, fat, fat acid, acid heat. heat. So there's the salt, fat, acid, heat book. Which, Which is all I about love. cooking. It's, it's all about yes. cooking and about these four basic blocks that help build wonderful dishes. And mm-hmm. and if you just stick to balancing these four flavors, mm-hmm. you can create something beautiful. And I think the absolute same can be said for cocktails. Um, instead of heat, we use dilution. We use mm-hmm. cold. Um, well, that's two things. Because cold is one thing and dilution is another. Yes. Um, because cold can affect how you taste. If you if This is in cooking, too. If you serve something cold and you serve it hot um you don't taste the spices as much exactly or the flavor as much if it's super cold yeah so acid is, is still acid right. we use a lot of sour uh fat is sugar mm-hmm. it helps translate and amplify flavor mm-hmm. th- things can have a lot of fat in it but not taste fatty exactly. things can have some sugar yeah. in it and not taste too sweet and then the uh important thing salt or that umami that other kind of flavor you definitely get that through bitters bitters is the spice to a bartender so uh when all these bitters started coming out you started seeing a lot of recipes that called for um like my house old-fashioned is two dashes of angostura and two dashes of orange I like combining those two bitters. Yes. In. And all of a sudden I started making Manhattan variations that used, you know, lime bitters or rhubarb bitters, right. you know, something different to really. And those just a couple dashes will make a really big difference. And all of these flavors, if, if you are a cocktail nerdy and you're looking at historic cocktail books, you don't see those f- flavors of bitters in older recipes, but those flavors can appear in other ways, whether it's a shrub mm-hmm. that's being added or um, a phosphate or things that were coming out of the soda fountain kind of category. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, you don't see rhubarb bitters being called for in, like, 1870s um, But you do see... Lists. Branded bitters, like Abbott's bitters exactly. and Broker's and bitters, and those bitters had those flavors in it. Oh, okay. Each of them had their own recipe. So I think, is somebody making Boker's Bitters again? Boker's Bitters isn't being made again. Uh, Bogart's Bitters is being yeah. made again, uh-huh. which I really like a lot. What about you have You have these two crazy Germans, um, Alex. Two crazy Germans walking a bar. Two crazy bur- Germans walking a bar, Alex and Stefan. And they are known as the Bitter Truth. And they they really brought back a lot of wonderful, wonderful bitter flavors in beautiful packaging, I might add. Really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And they also came out with an Amari. Oh. Uh, uh, so, so they've really kind of gone uh, soup to nuts for the whole bitters market, which is great. And they're still kind of producing some of the best bitters I've had. Their cucumber is one of my favorites. You use that in tequila drinks a lot. Mm-hmm. Sounds refreshing. It is. And they make an olive bitters that I find, you know, if I want a dirty martini, but I don't want to mess up my martini with olive juice, Mm -hmm. a couple dashes of these olive bitters adds that umami saltiness to Mm -hmm. it. And speaking of saltiness, that's another thing. You know, we have all these little bitter bottles on the bar. Mm -hmm. Those bottles are because we get very nerdy about if you have a regular bottle of bitters and you're dashing it. And you measure the dashes. The dashes in the beginning are a lot smaller than the dashes. Because of physics. Because of physics. So that's why we have those fancy bitter bottles, because it keeps the dashes consistent. 
Um, or you can use the dropper. Or you could use the dropper. Use the dropper yeah. too. Yeah, it makes us look very scientific. And people, I still every day I bartend, someone goes, "What's in there?" They, they you're right. They don't know what bitters are. Yeah. I always thought they just were wondering what's in my little bottles. Like but, what kind of bitters? Yeah. But they want to know bitters. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. And speaking of not a, a big investment, um, you can definitely not only is like buying a bottle of bitters is not that necessarily very expensive. No. Also, it goes forever. Yeah. But there's, um, if you hit the, well, the internet, the internet has everything. If you uh, don't have a curated cocktail store nearby, Absolutely. and you can get uh, samples, you know, not samples, but you can get a um, sampler. Sample pack. Sample pack, yeah. yeah. And then you really don't understand how bitters work until... Um, you have more than one mm-hmm. and also like make three gin martinis or three old fashions or three. And oh, if you only change the bitters, yeah, then, you'll you, notice then the, you really understand you'll notice the change, how they, how they function. Absolutely. Yeah. Go online. I still buy a lot of my bitters online. I get my King cocktail, Dale DeGroff's mm-hmm. pimento dram bitters online. There you go. Absolutely. And not pimento cheese. It's like. not pimento cheese. <laughs> Uh, rich, uh, it's a rich flavors like clove, allspice, cinnamon. You find that a lot in bitters as well, which is nice warming spices. Right. You could put some in your hot toddies. Christmas spices. Christmas spices. Put some, and I think it's essential in punches. Yeah. I always put a whole bunch of bitters in punches. There, the, there was a time when we were doing, and I just did this recently, having a little like throwback session going out uh, with a bartender friend of mine, and I said, let's do shots of Angostura, and he was like, what? And I'm like, oh, you never did this? There was definitely a phase in New York City bartending where we were drinking shots of Angostura. Well, there- and there's a And there's a cocktail called the uh, Trinidad Sour, created by that Giuseppe had- Gonzalez, that has a whole like ounce and a half yeah. of Angostura in it. So gets a little pricey. There is a whoa. bar in Wisconsin uh, whose name I do not know off the top of my head, and I don't have um, a comp- I don't even have my phone. Maybe Abigail can look it up while I tell you the story. So there's a bar in Wisconsin, and before prohibition, um, before prohibition started, he applied for a license to turn his bar into a pharmacy. And the town was like, this is bull. You know, you're just uh, using this medicinal whiskey, medicinal medicine, you know, alcohol as an excuse to still run your bar. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm only going to serve things that are actually medicinal, not not necessarily medicinal, only medicinal whiskey or whatever. And he he got taken to court. And he poured a bottle, he poured bitters into a glass and he gave it to the judge. And he said, would you pay to drink this in a bar? And the judge, you know, of course, it's a total spit take. <laughs> and the judge is like, no, this is this is bitter. It's probably like Elizabeth when she had Fernet Braga the first time in Italy. And he said, okay, you're right. I guess it's, I guess it's medicinal. And the bar is still open. And you can go there. And if you drink your glass of bitter, of cocktail bitters, and this is not like drinking Amaro, which, of course, is lovely, then you get your name, like, on the wall or in a book or whatever. There's a, cl- it's a club. And is the Internet not telling you? Nelson's Hall Bitters Pub? That sounds right, because I remember thinking of Admiral Nelson. I don't know why. Yeah, how a tiny does it say Wisconsin Island became the world's biggest consumer? It's on Washington Island, which is there's a distillery there as well. Oh, a remote locale. Where's Washington Island? uh, A remote locale off the tip of a tiny peninsula surrounded by Lake Michigan in the northernmost part of Wisconsin. To truly truly drink like a local, you must take a full shot of Angostura at Nelson's Hall. Bitters Pub. According to the card you receive as an initiated member of the Bitters Club, that shot means you are now considered a full-fledged islander and are entitled to mingle, dance, etc. with all the other islanders. Oh, field trip. Field trip in the summer. Field trip in the summer. Definitely not field trip in February. (laughs) (laughs) 
Although I guess I mean keep you warm. Oh my goodness, Maybe. shots of shots of Angostura for yes. sure. Yeah, I tossed it back really gallantly, but it had been a while, and I was like, ooh, jeez, I forgot. Yeah. But yeah, the the bartender was like, "You guys are crazy," and we we're like, "Yep, we're crazy." Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but that that actually is uh leads to one small point, um, which is that. Laws governing the sale of bitters vary so widely from state to state. I was talking with um, Jana Ritter, who works for the Sazerac Company and uh, sort of oversees their the their bitters marketing and distribution or whatever. And it's why in some places they can be sold. Now in New Orleans, you can get everything at the yeah. grocery store, so. Like or southern Louisiana, so put that aside. But in some places, they can only be sold uh, at the liquor store mm-hmm. because their proof can be fairly high. Mm-hmm. Um, in some places, they're they're taxed like food. Yes. And in other places, they're taxed like liquor. Yes. Um, or they can be, or they're not served with the liquor, and they're with like the there with the mixer things like if you were buying grenadine or simple syrup or your or your or with all the liqueurs mm-hmm. uh, like you go get your creme de banana and then you pick up some pechos or whatever and it's because it's such a it's a puzzling category yeah. for government officials who are yeah they still to, don't know how to how to categorize it yeah because and it, it makes me think back to that judge too because Theoretically, if you were a 15-year-old and you wanted to get drunk, you could, if you drank two bottles of Peixos, like, let's see, let's see, that's six ounces. I'm thinking of like a six-ounce bottle. And Peixos, I think, is like 80 proof, isn't it? Or 70? Yeah, that could definitely get you drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you were not a drinker normally. Sorry, this is not meant to encourage. Nope. The nope. uh, illegal I, drinking. But I'm I can reminded s- of that episode of Family Ties when Tom Hanks played the alcoholic uncle and um, Alex P. Keaton caught him drinking maraschino cherry juice. And I was like, what? Why? Can you get drunk from drinking maraschino cherry juice? Can you? Well, I don't know. This this was this was family TV. So maybe it was Maris, and it wasn't Maraschino, like the no. liqueur. Okay, no, that's probably he. Maybe he was looking for that, or thought maybe it would be like oh, that, which is yeah. why he was drinking it. But, um, but you know, alcoholics—they have no control. Right. Poor Tom Hanks. So uh, yeah, we're not saying go do this, but I, it, no. it, I'm understanding now why some. Yeah. Um, uh, states would say they regulate it. That it's it, this needs to be regulated. Yeah, and then other states and then taxed accordingly. Yeah. And then as well, others, of course. And then other states who are like, like that judge in Wisconsin. Nobody's gonna drink this like a yeah like a beverage. <laughs> so anyway, um, well, oh, and speaking of Angostura mm-hmm. shots, we were just talking. We almost stopped at Company Burger on the way here. Um, because um, one of my which favorite is, which milkshakes. Which is a, a great little hamburger store. Great little hamburger store. And they have wonderful milkshakes with Cane's syrup, another great local product. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bartender has been known to put a shot of Angostura in it. And it's delicious. Well, I was thinking, I think I had it or somebody had it with a with some Fernet in it. Mm, which also yeah, that would be, be good, good too. too. Yeah, you'd be surprised what the, the creamy sweetness of... Um, of like milky ice cream uh, drinks mm-hmm. and and With a little bit of bitters, bitters really improve the taste greatly. Yeah. So um, I'll end this with the, um, if you're still c- contemplating the validity of using uh, bitter liqueur in, in a cocktail or, you know, in, in, maybe not even an unexpected place, um, Paul Gustings, who's a, respected bartender here in New Orleans mm-hmm. um, has his, 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 his secret uh, old-fashioned ingredient and, um, and it's Jägermeister. Wow. He puts a quarter ounce. I think it's only a quarter ounce. And he has tended to bartend at you know, pretty kind of upscale places where Jägermeister is not sitting on the back bar. Uh, so he keeps it under you know, under at, yeah. uh, the under the bar, not for all the twenty-year-olds uh, to come in and ask for shots. 
But um, and and I seem to recall like the last two tales of the cocktails that oh enjoy the siren we see we really are outside <laughs> um, that the last two tales of the cocktails that Jägermeister has really been pushing its uses. In cocktails. Oh, absolutely. They're trying to get away from their shots, even though that probably made them millions of dollars. Yes. And they're trying to get back to, no, no, we're a respected cocktail ingredient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Go have some respect with your your Jaeger or whatever. Yeah. If you love Jaeger, my sir and I have one of my best friends from high school. Her dog was named Jaeger. Mm. It's it's, it's still very popular amongst a a lot of people. And and you should on a cold night. You should not feel ashamed. It's a delicious Amari, yeah. and Al- what we would call an Alpine Amaro because it's from a more Alpine region of Europe. Right. So if you make a drink using any of our suggestions, or you go buy an Amaro that you've, uh, if you've never had an Amaro and you try it, or you try a new one, um, please share via whatever social media you like to use or post it on the Drink and Learn Revelers Facebook page. We always like to see stuff there. And make sure to tag uh, hashtag Drink and Learn or at Drink and Learn. If you have questions for me or Abigail, you can post them in all those places. Uh, we love to hear what you're drinking uh, and making and help you out with any uh, questions that you have. If you enjoy the podcast... Please tell everyone you know, <laughs> everyone you encounter, maybe you should make a t-shirt that just says, I love the Drink and Learn podcast. <laughs> well, actually, that uh, that's a sign that I should be doing some merch that you can uh, <laughs> get Drink and Learn. Um, but uh, sharing via um, word of mouth is really the best way to uh, for people to hear about a podcast. They believe you, not just uh, reviews. Um, I drink and I learn things. That's right. Hashtag drink and learn. Um, So uh, if you need to find me in any way, it's at drink and learn. And Abigail is at NYC baby on Twitter. And just my name, Abigail Gullo on the Instagram. And I want to give a special shout out and thank you to all our listeners who've been coming to visit me at my new bar, Ben Paris, in downtown Seattle, just one block away from Pike Place Market. It's absolute pleasure to meet some of you in the flesh. And thank you so much for listening. And please keep on listening and keep on visiting me. You can you can see me at Ben Paris uh, in Seattle. Yeah, or come see me here in New Orleans. Yes. Where you can wear shorts in November. Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Uh, So until next time, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.